Cougar fans, it is time. Touchdown! What a grab! It's time to raise your colors, raise your voice, and join in on the raucous roundtable about your favorite team, the BYU Cougars. 15-10-5, It's time to tailgate. Cougar Tailgate, where BYU sports fandom lives. And here's your host, Lauren McClain. What's up, Cougar Nation? I'm Lauren McLean, and we're here to tailgate with you doing what we do best, talking all things BYU Cougars. For this week's roundtable discussion, we have BYU TV Sports and BYU Radio producers Brandon Crow and Terry South. Thanks for being here, guys. Thank you, Lauren. No problem. After Tuesday's beatdown of Iowa State, how would you describe this BYU team in one word? Let's start with Brandon. Wow. Okay. Um, you know, when, when I got the little agenda. I've been trying to think of a word, but I think after last night's performance, um, I'm just going to say steady. Okay. Steady right now is, is the is the word I have. Okay. I like it. What about you, Terry? Tough. 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 Or okay. Tougher than I thought they were. How's that? <laughs> tougher More than, than one I word, but tough. Yeah. Were six. No, yeah. I was like, yeah, that's not one word. I'm going with poise. And that's, that's kind of like what you said, Brandon. From the outside... <clears throat> Not much gets to them. I feel like there's not a lot of highs and there's not a lot of lows with this team. And it's, I mean, there are some things like a few games that they should have won, but I feel like they are very steady. Mm-hmm. They're very poised. Mark Pope mentioned after the game that they stay really calm before the games instead of hyping themselves up. And I thought that was really interesting. He said they used to do like big rah-rah speeches before the games. And now they found this formula that works. They just stay extremely calm. And I feel like when you watch them on the court – that kind of carries over. They have this calmness about them throughout the entire game, and I think that is playing into their benefit. They finished the game very strong. They played a complete game. They kept the lead the entire time, which was so refreshing to see. BYU scored this mo- the most points allowed this season by ISU. First ever win over Iowa State and first ever Big 12 home win, and that was without Trevin Nellenfus. Spencer Johnson had a career-high 28 points. Dallin Hall, this was this was the one that was so refreshing to me. It was so refreshing to see Dallin Hall control that game better than what we've seen. He's been getting a lot of flack from fans about how he's been playing and if he's he's the right guy to be the point guard. I feel like last night proved that. What did you guys think of Dallin Hall's performance? Um, I thought it was, yeah, like you said, it was, it was a good performance. It was a solid performance. And uh, it was a comfortable performance from Dallin Hall because I feel like BYU is comfortable – at home as as they should be, and especially uh, after what happened, you know, previously, it was a good bounce back at home uh, game for for Dallin Hall, and I felt like he maybe he's the type of guy that listens to the stuff and he doesn't take it too crazily in mm-hmm. heart, but he's able to be like, okay, maybe I can recognize what I need to do better, and we saw that he definitely took a step forward in in his guard play, and it, he facilitated well, and I think it was just an all-around solid performance from him. Yeah, and against one of the best country, or the best defenses in the country, and I think that's what was so impressive. Indiana Pacers, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, that played, at, that played at Iowa State, was there in the Marriott Center. And he, talking about BOU, said they move the ball really well. Their offense is amazing. Mm. I think that's so cool coming from him. And I think he's right. You watched. They had so many just extra passes there at the end, BYU, and they just they just looked so clean and crisp. And hopefully they can carry that forward. Okay, guys, there's some good basketball being played in the state of Utah right now, and Twitter is alive and well 
with banter about which college team is the best in the Beehive State. With this week's AP rankings, Utah State has risen to the top of the Utah schools with a ranking of 16 over BYU's 20, and Utah remaining unranked, although they beat BYU in early December. Also, Utah State fell short to New Mexico 99-86 on Tuesday night. And the pesky Lobos, right? That's all I could think about. I'm like, man, back in the Jimmer Fredette days, it was always New Mexico that got the best of BYU. The Aggies' best win was against ranked Colorado State on January 6th. So I'm going to pose this to you guys. Do you feel this ranking really shows that Utah State is better than BYU right now? Terry, what do you think? Rankings are strange because you start moving up and down and other teams start moving up and down, and then you get things like this where it maybe doesn't make a lot of sense as to why – Utah State is ahead, yeah. right? And but it, you know, early in the season, everything tends to shake out towards the end. But uh, at the moment, they might be a little too high. Okay, they may need to drop a couple spots. Who knows? Didn't be what you dropped this week after winning. Yes. So they won. Yeah. And then they and fall. They you know, spots. stuff like yeah. that happens. So the rankings. Right. What do you think, Brandon? I'm just going through their schedule right now, and uh, they lost. They lost to San Diego. Let's see. Sorry, they lost to Missouri. And uh, other than that, you go through the schedule, and they definitely haven't played a quote-unquote ranked opponent. And so it is it is a little interesting. Like, I'm, I'm with Terry on this one. Uh, the ranking system, I think, is just kind of weird. I feel like it's, there should be, like, a halfway point or there should be a, a point in the season where there there's no rankings in, like, November or December or anything. Right. And then all of a sudden, come maybe January or February, that's when – we are able to get a ranking so we can get at least a solid month, month and a half's worth of taste of these teams. But I, I, I don't know. I don't buy it. Then what would people talk about, Brandon? I know. I you know. you got to have I know, rankings. I know. But I, I don't buy that Utah State is, is a better basketball team right now. Yeah. I mean, you look at the teams they've played. It's, I'm not saying – I mean, because people, people made that argument about BYU before they entered the Big 12 or conference play. They're like, well, they haven't really played anybody, so how are they ranked so high and blah, 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 blah. I think losing to New Mexico was a, a big crush for Utah State, and I'm rooting for them. I want them to do well. But, yeah, I'm not super convinced that the 16 over the 20 means that Utah State is a better team. I legit am growing more hairs watching BYU play in the Big 12. I'm not kidding. Growing more gray hairs? Gray. Gray hairs. Gray hairs, okay. What did I say? Just more hairs. Oh, I wish I was growing We're more hairs. Going bald? I, wish I, I wish. Yeah, Terry. Sorry, Terry. <laughs> you, unfortunately, are not growing more hairs. No, like I, I've given up I'm that, growing more gray but... hairs, which is probably due to my two children, but we're going to attribute it to BYU. Sure. And the Big 12, really, though, it is, it's so stressful to watch. So I want to talk about, do you guys like not having any cupcakes on the schedule, or would you rather have some easier games to make the record look better? What do you think, Brandon? Oh, I'm all about playing the best. Yeah. And so I, I don't like the whole cupcake thing. It's just if you want to play the best and be the best, then you got to continue to to take those L's. And then you're only going to learn from it. Right. And so then you, you go up against the best teams. Then you learn what those best teams do to you, and then you fix those, you correct those things, and then you go out and you, you – I don't know. I just I just don't buy the whole cupcake thing just so you can make your schedule look better. I, I've never been that type of person. Right. What do you think, Terry? The the tour every year of the you know high school gyms of the West Coast is what the West Coast Conference was. I mean Pepperdine. <laughs> if you if you look at Pepperdine, they have a door underneath the basket. It goes outside. 
right? Yeah. You don't have, yeah. that's like a high school gym. You open the door and you're outside. <laughs> I mean, it is the beach in the ocean. Yeah, I was waiting for someone the... to come in and say, hey, we have aerobics scheduled. Can you guys, you know, move the game type of thing? So it's better. I, I, this is much better, <laughs> much more competitive. You're, you're looking forward to these games. You know, I was I was like, oh, I'm, am I going to miss Portland? Is it yeah. Portland State? Is that who it was they'd play or Portland? Portland. See, it, I don't mm-hmm. even know. But they'd come in and I'm like, why, why do they have a team? They, they, yeah. I have never, I never remember them having success. Right. And so it's like, what are we, what is the point of this game tonight? And then BYU beats them by 20 and you move on and like, are we supposed to cheer that? Or is, I mean, if they lose, it's more of a problem, right? So right. this way, even losses are, you know, you can measure how BYU is, even if they lose the game, what, 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 what point of the season they're at. Whereas before when they lose in the, the, the West Coast Conference, it's all is lost because you lost to like Pepperdine or something. Absolutely. So this way, it's like every game matters, every game's important, and you get that excitement and sort of uh, gray hair situation, the <laughs> distress that comes yeah. because this is a tough game and they're not just going to be able to push someone over. Terry, if I had a dollar for every time I got kicked out of the church gym right. because something else was scheduled, that's all yeah. I could think about in your time. I'm sorry, we actually are doing aerobics. <laughs> I'm sorry, we have dodgeball tonight. Night. So funny. The young men and young women are doing the dreaded Boy Scouts, man. They ruined everything. <laughs> sure did. Let's talk about the pros being in the Big 12. You guys yeah. mentioned a lot mm. of them. Every game matters immensely. There's no such thing as a bad loss, maybe outside of Oklahoma State this year, right? Uh, one Iowa State win equals five wins in the WCC. Much better for recruiting. Extremely better game environments. Like you mentioned, it kind of some of these teams in the WCC, their venues felt like high school gyms. Uh, we're creating rivalries, and there's more money for the school. The cons of being the Big 12, every game is a fight. And I know you disagree with this, Brandon. I, I don't even know if that would be a con, but I, they got to be getting tired. I keep thinking that watching this team. That's what we hear. Are you fo- guys going to be wearing down, right? We, we hear that with football, right? You have yes. the depth. Can you continue Correct. that week in and week out when you're exactly. playing these tough teams? You don't get a Wyoming to kind of right. you know, rest yourself or whatever. But now it's like the same thing with basketball. I'm not sure if it's the same wear and tear, but it probably is. Right. I, you would assume so. And right. I guess we'll see as conference play continues. And we've already seen Foose, Trevanel out. That could be just normal wear and tear of, BYU, uh, of just basketball in general. We'll see what happens there. Uh, the game's not being on BYU TV, I would say, is one of the cons of the Big 12, but there aren't many. Pros of being in the WCC. Easier competition, better record, big fish in a little pond. The cons... Lose a game outside of St. Mary's and Gonzaga, your resume is ruined. Uh, less money for the school, difficult to recruit, no rivalries outside of St. Mary's and Gonzaga. So I think the the answer is obvious. It is so much better being in the Big 12. I love what Kyle Collinsworth on X said. Kyle Collinsworth, who was the triple-double king at BYU. The great thing about the Big 12, obviously still have to win games, which is really, really hard, is that teams will beat each other and there will be a ton of losses in the WCC if you lost twice, it was pretty much over three times, and for sure you're done. Mm-hmm. And I that is I, I was thinking about this after reading this, because how many times did BYU lose to a Portland or lose to a San Diego, and you're like, BYU should not have lost to that team. Or an LMU. Or an LMU. Oh, right. my gosh, heaven forbid. But you can imagine them going in with the mentality is, we cannot lose this game. Yeah. Every game was, except apart from against St. Mary's, was – we have to win this game. We cannot lose. That pressure is gone in the Big 12. They don't have that anymore. They can, I mean, if they get blown out, that's one thing. You can lose to a great team and look at it. Look at 
the Big 12 right now, eight teams in the top 25, and they all have several losses. And that's just the strength of schedule Correct. factor is you're playing all these really good teams versus you have two. Yes. In your whole conference. No, absolutely. So, yeah. So, it's fun. And and college basketball analyst John Rothstein said on X, every night in the Big 12, and then he had a picture of Mel Gibson fighting a war. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that. In Braveheart. Nice. I was like, that encapsulated it perfectly, not just for BYU. Every every team in the Big 12 has been fighting, and it's so much fun to watch. Well, and you see the the benefits of that right now is as as of today when we're when we are recording this podcast, there's eight teams from the Big 12 in the top 25. I mean, it's just if if you're the Big 12 commissioner Brent Yormark, you're just sitting there you're, you're smiling. Oh yeah. Because it's like and then we're adding in more schools and especially specifically basketball schools with Arizona right. and you know, it's just the competition is only going to increase, which is only going to make BYU better. I love it. I love it. It makes me tired to think about, but <laughs> it's so much fun. I love it. Coming up, we'll play Buy or Sell and discuss all the buzz with Cougs in the news. This is Cougar Tailgate. Welcome back to Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean with Brandon Crow and Terry South here with me. Hello. We're going to play <laughs> buy or sell BYU basketball style, starting with BYU gets a five-seater better in the NCAA tournament. So let me give you a little context here. Last year, TCU finished 500 in the Big 12 and got a six-seed. Baylor finished 11-7, and got a three-seed. West Virginia finished 7-11 and got a nine-seed. Wow. So buy or sell, BYU gets a five-seater better in the NCAA tournament, Brandon? I'm going to sell. And I'm going to say that if BYU does get into the tournament, that they will probably be somewhere in like the 6-7 range. Maybe an 8, but I'm going to say the 6-7 range. Did you say if BYU gets in the tournament? You never know. You never know. I I did. I did did say if. Wow. Terry, what do you think? I kind of have the same opinion that they won't be that high. I think yeah. the season's going to catch up with them yeah. in the first year, and they'll they've started to try to. You see some of the foul situations, the free throw disparities that's happening, and and last night BYU was kind of on top of that, but on the road they're not really in the game. It seems like right. that seems like a weakness. They they hit all those three pointers down in uh, UCF, and then they were able to come back simply because of their foul shooting, and that's where I think BYU is going to run into some problems. I think they're going to have that. Uh, after a while, it's going to catch up, and they'll start slowing down a little bit. Maybe lose to an Oklahoma State or right. something. One of these teams that they shouldn't lose to, and that would would cause them to slip in the in the in the numbers there, and probably down to a seven. The road games in this conference are extremely difficult, so I think that that is going to be hard for BYU. But after Tuesday night's game, I'm going to buy it. Mm. If they and, and I know it can, they can't remain that consistent. There's just no way. But the way they looked on Tuesday night was just mind-blowing to me. And if they can keep that without Trevenel and without Foose, the things they the, the magic that these coaches and these players are creating is just incredible to me with the most random group of players that they have, but it is working. And I think if they can keep that going, there is a possibility that they can get a five-seater better in the tournament. The, All right. The latest bracketology. Let's hear it. Updated. Is today the 16th? Correct. Today, no, seventeen. I have no idea what day it is. <laughs> yeah, seventeen. <laughs> so this was updated. Yeah, this was updated recently. Uh, BYU was a six seed. Okay. So right there. So yeah, on the bubble. If you pretty will. close. All right, number two, Ali Khalifa is the best passer in college basketball. He currently is third in the nation in assist to turnover ratio. Uh, Terry, agree or disagree? Buy or sell? 
based on his physique, yeah, when you see him <laughs> shuffling up the floor, like the dad playing with the the kids. Oh yeah, you know he's just sure. it's like he's playing with the ten year olds. He's just kind of tossing balls out there, and yeah, I think he he might probably be. When you look at him, you, you uh, maybe the most unassuming. Because right. I bet you the other yes. two guys. It's a great word. The other two uh-huh. guys are really, really, you know, you see them, there's a presence. And you right. see Khalifa and you're like, really? This is the guy? And he yeah, gets out there no and way. you watch these passes. They're amazing. I list, I listened to the uh, Iowa State play-by-play the other or last, the other night. And I'm watch, listening to them and they're just astounded this is going on. They're like they practiced. Their coach talked about how they planned for this. How they'd watch the video, they saw what he did, and he still was able to pull off those wow. passes, even though they were expecting him. Right. And then they'd shift, and he'd do something different. So it's it, it's the the options off of what the defense does, and that like Khalifa's just doing all this. They had a game plan yeah. to stop Khalifa from doing that, but he, he still, still did, did it. it. Yeah. Brandon, what do you think? I'm going to buy it uh, just because I love the fact that here, you look at the top – 10 well there's a yeah there's a, a little tie w- between 9 and 10 guard 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 and then Ali right there in the third spot is a center and so given the fact what what Terry said you get a guy like his size who's able who's you're not expecting to be able to have the vision that he does and the touch that he does and the anticipation that he does and i feel like that is not normal and so therefore because he is so successful, I feel like that elevates him a little bit higher than the other guys who are supposed to be doing right. that. Right. What do you do with a guy like Ali Khalifa as an opposing coach? Really? He can shoot the three. That's the other incredible he, passer. Shooting from the outside while doing yes. while passing causes all kinds of chaos. You can't give him space on no. the three. You have to come up. And that's what opens up all these these cuts. And well, it's I think, amazing. I, I think Baylor had the blueprint because yeah. they were able to kind of rough him up down low in the post and I feel like that's where teams might try to look to do that because he's not a grinder down low in the post that if they have some muscle that they can throw at him and try and hopefully wear him down that way that's how I feel like teams might be able to try and slow him down but who knows he might have some other trick up his sleeve that we haven't (laughs) seen yet yeah his turn and dunk against uh Gosh, who was it? UCF. Oh, yeah. I'm like, what? I didn't even know he could do that. It yeah. just was this guy. He keeps surprising us. I, he's such a great get for Mark Pope and the Cougars. All right. Uh, the next one. Spencer Johnson should have the ball in his hands in the big moments. Buy or sell Brandon? Oh, He's 26, you know. <laughs> I think he's the oldest, the oldest player in college basketball right now at 26 years old. So far, every opponent. He's 26, you know. I know. Like that's somehow tough. that's like cheating. You're he's like, 26. I know. That's tough. For me, um, I'm going to sell this. Okay. And I still, the jury is still out on him for me. And I feel like there are other options that could do it if given the opportunity. And so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to sell this one. Terry, buy or sell? I'd say sell. It seems like he's not, there's times where he's hot and sometimes he's not so much, right? And there's some players that are kind of kind of streaky. There's games where they've shot the three and just kept shooting and kept mm-hmm. shooting and it wasn't there. Um, I don't know if that's Pope telling them to shoot or them not having any other option, like right. any other a layup. I mean, come on, guys, something. But yeah, <laughs> just pick something else. But no, it. I, I think they need to... Um, Go go how I think they're doing okay. I think you, you you start the ball with somebody else and feed him and it'll work. 
Yeah. And I think he gets hot just by grabbing, you know, rebounds and putting them back that way. He gets mm-hmm. he gets going just getting the quick little layup and then eventually the rest of it comes. If he starts out trying to play the hero ball type of thing, it doesn't right. quite work. Right. Right. That's interesting you said about the three ball because up until Tuesday night's game, I kept thinking, can they do anything else besides shoot the three? Clearly it's worked. It's 1000% worked. But I feel like against Iowa State. But who's their post player? It's Foose, right? Right. And no, that and that's what's hard. So it's it? like, yeah, they found a different way to play, but they've also forgotten the way they used to be able to play because Foose could get you five quick points, right? And that changes the way the defense works, and that opens up your three point shooting again. And you have a Tiki Ali Atiki that can be physical underneath. He's a physical presence. He can get rebounds. Not a great shooter. And foul trouble. Yes. Yeah. And he gets in foul that, trouble. That's another point for me is I in, in looking at at these games, and I've been taking notes because. I had a feeling that Lauren was going to call on me to come on the show, so I was like meticulously taking notes. Plan ahead. I, I genuinely feel that the offense moves and flows so much better without Foose and without Tiki, because when when we saw when we saw them, especially against Baylor, they both come in the game and then really quickly there's a lot of fouls, a lot of whistles, and uh, then it, it causes kind of this chaotic mentality, and you saw some careless turnovers. Because of that chaotic mentality, it, it almost just like disrupts the flow. But for some reason, whenever Ali Khalifa is in there, that it just seems to be clicking, and, and that's when they play their their best basketball, in my opinion. And then, what does BYU do though when teams start to catch on? You know what I mean? And that's kind of what you were talking about earlier. Yeah, our team's going to start to catch on because it's almost it almost feels like Boise State football <laughs> in a weird way. They kind of have these tricks, these little things. They're not they're not physically as good as the other teams, but for a while, you, they could almost trick these teams well, and start winning. And I'm not saying that's what BYU is doing. They have some incredible athletes. But you see, top to bottom, these athletes in the Big 12, mm-hmm. they are big, fast, athletic. BYU, not quite there, right? But they're the way they're being coached, obviously whatever's happening mentally before the games that's preparing them, is something phenomenal. You just wonder if at some point other coaches are going to start catching on and, and, and something's going to give. What do you the, think? They had that 15-point lead at UCF, and then yeah. they went, They yes. allowed a 15-4 to four run. Yeah. Right? So the whole thing disappeared, and when you watch that, they obviously weren't making shots, but they are also being pushed around. Yeah. Right? So uh, beginning of this, I said I used the word tough, tougher than I thought, but a long way to go on that, too. They need yeah. to be able to – turn it on and push back and that's where like a foos would be helpful but he disrupts too so i don't know when i watch some of this remember back when jimmer was having his run they had one trick on that team it was jimmer Mm -hmm. (laughs) right right he'd run off like seven eight picks or whatever and then get an open shot brandon davies was a good piece and then when davies steps away and it's just jimmer there were several games during the year where jimmer just was cold he had no shot whatsoever and they had no option Right. There was nobody else that was – everything was feeding Jimmer. And it seems like that uh, – it's not so, obviously not so bad now. They have several different shooters out there. But if everyone's kind of having an off night, there's no other option. There's no inside game. There's no power game. It's just all this outside shooting. Totally. It, when it when it rains, the plants grow, right? And then when there is no rain, then the plants don't grow. And with BYU, that's that's been one big question that I've had over the last couple of years. Um, live by the three, die by the three. Like Tuesday night, last night, uh, when the threes are, are, are being made, it, they look great. 
but then you transition that to another night where you don't make as many threes. And then it's like, we have to have some sort of solution. And I just want to see more. I want to see more guys step up from the bench. And yeah. and the, the bench play has to step up in order for BYU, in my opinion, to be able to make a run to that NCAA tournament because this conference is so deep. You look at these other schools and they have three or four guys that are reliable that could be on a starting rotation in any other school right. that they're able to dip down into that bench. And I feel like with BYU, it's the same same kind of guys we see all the time. And it would be nice to see somebody else step up from the bench to be able to make the pressure take the pressure off somebody else. You know who I actually love to that point is Richie Saunders. Yeah, absolutely. He's one of those guys. He comes in and he's got that fight. He can drive to the basket, which we don't see very often. He's an energy guy. He is an energy guy, and I feel like he's been huge for mm-hmm. BYU off the bench. And because we mentioned they live and die by the 3, when's it going to end? They have not been blown out yet this season. You know, I mean, even against these phenomenal teams when they have been cold, they have not ever been blown out. They've still hung with everybody. Mm-hmm. And so there's something to it. There's a reason why we're not the coaches, right? <laughs> right. They're doing something well. But, yes, there is this kind of sense of when's something going to give. You just hope Foose gets back healthy. They can find a way to get him into the rotation to get some physicality underneath. And we'll see what happens from there. Okay, we're going to change gears a little bit and talk about Cougs in the news. Some amazing things have been happening in the NFL, uh, starting with Puka Nakua, who keeps – Breaking records. Unfortunately, the Rams lost to the Lions 24-23 last weekend, but Puka had a record-breaking day with nine receptions for 181 yards and a TD. Puka broke the most or the record for most receiving yards in a playoff game by a rookie. Brandon, what's it like? What's it been like for you watching Puka Nakua in his rookie season? It's been fun. Yeah, it, it, it's been fun. I know when he got drafted, uh, I don't want to be that guy, but like I, I leaned over to my wife and I said, "That is a fantastic situation for Puka because he has a, a solid quarterback in Matt Stafford. He has an offensive mind like Sean McVay, and he's got Higby and Cooper Cup on the outside too, yeah. so that there are it, the defenses don't really know, and so you get Puka, who's the unknown for a lot of people, and then you get him some confidence, you get him some plays, you get him those sweeps, and I just felt like he he stepped up when he needed to, and it was a fantastic season, and uh, it was just great to watch him. And luckily for him, Cup was injured for the first little while of the season, and that gave him tons of exposure and opportunity. Absolutely. And and shout out to the coaches of the Rams, honestly, for giving him a chance as a rookie to he's, let him he's shine. He's too slow, though. Yeah, but he's too slow. His 40 time was slow. He's a system player. And he didn't do well on that test. <laughs> if you watch that video, it was funny. Like, oh, he didn't test well. Yeah. And, oh, I think we can put him out there. Why? Because I think he's fast. No, he's slow. And it was just funny to watch the coaches debate this. Right. And then in hindsight, you're like, you have this guy that just explodes on the scene, right? Well, and, he, and takes he, Cooper Cup and makes him the number two option right. on the squad when he's like one of the top wide receivers in the game. So I don't know that it, watching, especially that last game, he seemed to get a lot of attention, double teams. He's getting oh, hit yeah. all the time and he's still making these catches. Mm-hmm. And you, you look at it, you're like, he was hurt so often here and just wasn't on the field as much as, as he should have been. He could have been just so much more for the team here that was kind of struggling at the time. Absolutely. But he- uh, when he was on the field, man, they were, they took advantage of him. So. He's fearless. That's all I could think about when I watched Puka Nakua. That kid is fearless. I, I remember the announcers making – he made some crazy catch with three defenders around him, and that's a dangerous catch, right? It's up high. You know, your ribs are exposed. He doesn't care. He goes up and gets it, and he's an incredible, incredible receiver with an amazing mentality. 
Just so happy for him. Fred Warner and the 49ers have a date with the former Utah State QB Jordan Love and the Packers this weekend for a spot in the NFC title game. Utah State fans are so high on Jordan Love right now, as they should be. So do you guys think there's a little pride that goes into this game for BYU and Utah State fans, like Jordan Love versus Fred Warner? What do you think, Terry? I don't know. I don't know if BYU fans and, you know, the college thing goes that far. Yeah. I know what? It, it might. Are you on Twitter? No, no I, <laughs> Twitter. No, I just, I think at some point you're just kind of happy that uh, there's a, like Jordan Love was good at Utah State. Yeah. But the, when he got taken by the Packers, you're like, really? This is their guy? Right. This is the guy going to take over for Aaron Rodgers? Right. And then when they when Aaron Rodgers leaves, you're like, really? Yeah. He's the guy? And then you watch him just grow into that position? It's amazing. Yeah. What do you think, Brennan? Depending on who you talk to, yeah, yeah. absolutely, it's it's a thing. I know, I know, my guy. Shout out, Big Big B Louie, uh, who often gets confused for Big Bluey on on X because <laughs> there's no spaces. Um, he's a he's a guy. He's a, he's a dad uh, of a friend of mine, and he has every jersey of every BYU guy in the NFL right now, and he'll throw it on depending on what game is on. But uh, he list, used to live in the Bay Area and. I don't know if Fred Warner has turned into yesterday's news, but he shouldn't. You know, yeah. he he continues to play. He continues to excel. Talk about another guy, uh, very similarly to Pukanukua, where the 49ers took a chance on him and they were able to put him in a system, give him the right coaching, the right guys around him, and boom, you see him excel. And Why just can't take they off. be like that here? Because. Is, because I just I feel like <laughs> what's holding them back? Come they're, on, they're not utilized the same here. And yeah. with Puka Nakua, who else really was around him right. to, to take away from from the defense? Um, yeah, and I just I if you're if you're a Utah State fan and you have pride in in your players, they should absolutely be ecstatic right now for for Jordan Love and the success that he's having and and the trajectory in which his career is going. Absolutely, yeah, I love it. All right, junior track runner Aiden Tortner ran a sub-four mile at the Smith Fieldhouse. So I want to know really quickly, what are some things you guys can do under four minutes? Because I definitely can't run a sub-four mile. I vacuumed the living room yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> About four minutes. Well, for those that are that are looking at this, uh, yeah. especially with this angle of this little camera here, uh, <laughs> I've, I've eaten like three or four sushi rolls in like four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so. What an accomplishment. Hey, I'll take it. Yeah, you and Aiden are just right there on the same level. Amazing. Five players from the BYU women's soccer team got drafted in the NWSL draft. First time in BYU's women's soccer history. Brecken Mozingo, Olivia Smith-Griffiths, Olivia Wade-Katoa, Jamie Shepard, and Leveni Vaca. So amazing, you guys. The, the BYU women's sports, and specifically soccer, has been incredible. So much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. So happy for those guys as well. All right, that does it for us today. Thanks again to Brandon Crow and Terry South for coming on the show with me. Carter Bond and Tori Kimball helped produce this episode with senior producer Cleon Wall. You can join the Cougar Tailgate wherever you get your podcasts, on Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or on BYURadio.org. Cougar Tailgate is a production of BYU Radio.